welcome everybody to the Magic Beans podcast. We are back again for episode number 85. I'm your host tonight and my name is Shorty and I have a couple of beans on the line with me. So tonight we have Cracker back again after last week. How's it going mate? Good buddy, how are you? Yeah, pretty good. And uh, we also have Chewy. How's it going Chewy? Yeah, I'm disappointed I missed the uh, the KCI e-tron cast last week, but yeah, I appreciate yeah, you guys solid, covering solid the hour important of topics. KCI. Yeah, it's good. No, I'm well. Yeah, the, I'm well. The, the important topics that were no topics. Yeah. No, good cast last week. Uh, sorry I missed it, but uh, I'm, I'm back and I'm refreshed and I'm, I'm ready to tackle our uh, myriad of topics this week. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we've got, yeah, like basically just a mixed bag of a whole bunch of different things tonight to uh, sort of run through. So... We'll get through all of those. Lots of good content. Well, we assume it's good. We think it's good, as uh, as always. Hopefully, you also think it's good. And, uh, yeah, we'll get you all up to date with what's going on. But before we get into that, Chewy, do you want to tell us about our awesome sponsors? Absolutely. Uh, Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar, uh, the official podcast and league sponsor for the Magic Beans. Uh, they are a Facebook auction group. And you can search them up on Facebook. Just search for Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar. Link will be in the show notes as it always is. And you can bid on physical magic cards, premium auctions on the weekend. And when you do win an auction and get that absolute bargain, do us a favor and just say that the bean sent you and they'll keep looking after us, which helps us look after you. Very good. And I just found out this week from Pat that... uh you don't have to just go and look them up on Facebook. They, he actually has a web address that redirects to the Facebook group. So if you just go to jpmtgbazaar.com.au, it will redirect you straight to the Facebook group. So I need to go through and update all of our links and all the uh, the things on the overlays, that sort of stuff. But yeah, just jpmtgbazaar.com.au and that will take you straight to the Facebook group. And then you can join up and get in on all those bargains. So almost sounds too easy. Yeah. It does. Sounds yeah. sounds way too easy. Yep. Yeah. Bargain magic cards. That's what everybody loves. We were having a, a discussion this evening on uh, on our Discord about uh, there's no such thing as too many magic cards. So just keep buying <laughs> them from uh, from Josh and Pat's. <laughs> uh, my office around me is testament to exactly that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so a few things to get into. Uh, one thing we might, we'll just touch on a couple of things quickly to, to start with. So Magic Legends was uh, something that we've spoken about on this podcast previously. Cracker, do you remember what that is? Uh, it was supposed to be a MMORPG, but yes. then it wasn't that at all. Yeah, then they changed it to a, what's, ARPG? ARPG? I, I don't know what that is either adventure roleplay game i think okay cool so uh from from what i know you could play with two other friends and kind of just roam around and, and do some stuff together yep that's it i can't say i ever looked at it any more than probably <laughs> the initial trailer and heard some reviews really early on that the open beta was kind of bad and we i guess we were all waiting for the hey it doesn't suck now announcement uh well that's technically True then, right? With this announcement, yeah? Uh, uh, well. Yes, technically true. Yeah. I mean, so it's not going to suck what, for much longer, I guess you could say. What's happened to it? It's been canned. Yeah. So, I guess worth pointing out that this was um, 
what's he licensed. It wasn't what's he themselves making it. It was another company, right? And yeah, they just announced that it's going to be uh, not leaving the beta and ending in October. Hmm. And they are, from what I've heard, they are refunding everybody money if they if you've put money into yes. you know cosmetics and all that sort of stuff that you could buy on there. So that that is good. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know much about the computer game world with betas and all that sort of stuff. Like, is this something that happens? No. Regularly with small games? Or? No. What you'll find is that people call things beta now and release them, and they're actually like full games. They are yeah. like Hearthstone, I think, was beta for like four years or something. Yeah, it had like yeah. world championships and stuff in the beta. Well, so they so, just call so it did, that so, so that you can arena. say, oh, it's like, it's a buggy thing, but it's all right because it's still the beta. Yeah, Arena had the million dollar tournament, right? That Minguchi yeah, yeah. won, and that was still technically in beta, right? So Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, and- a lot of the times, even if a game is bad and doesn't have a life cycle, they will still release it just to try to, you know, grab what revenue they can. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, for whatever reason, this has been canned. Uh, it could it could be that just no one was playing it. It could be, like, Watsy's licensing agreement changed and they decided. Who knows? Like, I'm total speculation yeah, there's a, there. But, stacks of different reasons as to yep. why. But yeah. um, from, from the accounts is that it, you know, it still had a whole stack of issues and it wasn't what they said it was initially. I think if they'd come in saying, hey, it's going to be an ARPG instead of a MMORPG where you can kind of just do like whatever you want, it probably would have been received differently. But then it was kind of like a bait and switch and we all know how much Magic players love that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I remember Blaster Boy was pretty upset about that. Well, when we first talked about it, when it was first announced. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. He, yeah. he was trying to convince us all that we were, oh, we have to get on it. Because he's a huge um, WoW fan, right? Like, he raids regularly and stuff. And he's like, oh, Magic, this is going to be, like, the best thing ever. And then he's like, oh, wait, never mind. I don't want to play one of those at all. <laughs> Where are you, yeah. Master Boy, by the way? Yeah. Where yeah. are you? Yeah. I've not seen him for months. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, speaking of wizards doing bait and switches, uh, <laughs> something we, we didn't mention when it originally happened, but uh, Worlds this year, the uh, the Magic World Championship, which is basically the pinnacle of uh, competitive Magic play. It's always a very, very small field tournament. I think this time it is 16 players, and you can only qualify for this thing by literally being the best in, in Magic at you know for that year sort of thing. Uh, it's always a huge thing. We've seen, like, Paulo Vito Domodorosa win it recently, uh, Javier Dominguez. They've started, Wizards started doing the invitational cards, all that sort of stuff, or the World Championship cards. So, ma- massive deal. I think, like, a year and a half ago, it was announced that it was going to be a million-dollar prize pool, which is amazing and awesome. And then a few weeks ago, they released the details for Worlds, and amongst the details was a very small thing that listed out the uh, prizes as now being 250 grand i mean i don't know if you call that a small thing man well, just like chopping it was in it. small writing <laughs> i'm sure it was very small writing <laughs> so yeah as as, uh, as you can expect the twitter world exploded and whatever and and you know you had people on uh, both sides of the fence of uh, you know some people saying well you know it's it's Wizards, they uh, they're not beholden to the uh, the prizes that they set. You know, they've got all their terms and conditions about being able to change prizes and that sort of thing. And then the other side of the argument of how dare they do this? You know, they promise this and all that sort of stuff. So we never really mentioned it because it doesn't have a huge impact on us. But uh, just this week, they announced that they're actually going to be paying the players who are playing in this a fifty grand appearance fee on top of the prize money. So. 
that just completely flattens out the prize structure for this event and makes it like really really good ev for all of these players like guaranteed 50 grand is insane for a uh, for a magic tournament and it also actually ends up with 16 players that's 800 grand for the uh, appearance fees plus the 250 grand that's on the prizes so it's actually more than it was previously so i don't know what's gone on here i don't know if this is just again like wizards and their Mark, not marketing, whatever, like their PR teams or whatever, just not communicating and, and releasing the article and not realising that it had the different prize amount in it before they told players that they were going to get their appearance fees. Like, this, who, who knows? I, I don't know. Of, but This reeks nah. of legal advice. Yeah, yeah. Or, or is it the situation of like, okay, let's let's knock it down to 250 and see what the reaction is and then we can bump it up if we need to. <laughs> yeah, like, maybe. I, I don't know. It's, but there's a potential it, lesson here for, for Wizards, right, where it's like, okay, a million-dollar price pool, oh, now it's a million and a bit because we tried to get greedy, you know, because, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah. whether that – there's a lesson on offer there, whether it'll be learned or not, I'm not no, sure. there's no lesson there, man. They won't learn it. <laughs> they don't need to. <laughs> no, they yeah. don't. So, was, this, was, like, this sort of brought up a, a couple of interesting discussion points. Like, Chewie and I were talking about this before the cast. Like, I I, I couldn't care less about this. It, it has zero impact on me as a Magic player. Not just salty because you were the 17th best player in the world, <laughs> yes. Jordan. Oh, so, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, 17th yeah. best player of the world, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> from my point of out. view, it, it has zero impact on me. But, Chewie, I know you have a... Well, not differing opinion, but a, a stronger well, I'm, opinion. I'm on, kind I of guess, stuck in the middle. I'm stuck in the middle where I get it, and uh, they they're entitled to set prizes and and all the rest of it. I completely understand where they're coming from, but for me as a magic player, and for you know a lot of other people, you know, we were kind of sold a dream, and this is the pinnacle, as you said. Uh, but you know, the whole organized play thing with with the players to a pro to a mythic championship whatever they're called right so part of my drive to play magic and and to try to get better at magic was to see how far i could go on that journey uh it was to you know play in the ptq and hopefully make top eight and then you try to spike that top eight and then all of a sudden you're on the pro tour and then you know that's that next phase and that next challenge and shorty you've made top eights of uh ptqs before and, and you have that sort of butterfly moment where it's like oh, i might be on here and you know that's gone so they they sold us a dream and like then bang like in an instant that dream's gone like that's disappointing it's not going to change the way that i play magic interact with the game talk about magic it hasn't diminished my love for the game at all but it and that is disappointing to me that that aspect as it stands today, just doesn't exist. And, you know, this world thing was kind of just that sort of cherry on top of that very bitter cake. So, yeah, that's that's how I feel about it. I get it. Uh, you know, if it's not making the money, they've done all their marketing research, they'll have teams of people that are analysing all of the information and going, we don't actually need this. This is just uh, an unnecessary cost that we're not seeing the returns for. And it was great because it, helped us build the brand and build the company over the last 25 years and it's been really good but it's time has come right completely understand that and you know also for the pros and all of the people that have done nothing but complain about the system for 25 years (laughs) you probably shouldn't be surprised that it then gets cancelled then right (laughs) so what what did you expect so (laughs) you know it's 
I, I completely understand all of that. I'm, I'm actually pretty pragmatic about the whole thing. I, I understand it. But, like, the emotional side of me is a bit flat because, you know, there was a thing that we could all strive for and was a driver for a lot of people. Uh, Play the game, see the world, man, right? That was the thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And how like, how long has it been since that was the tagline, though? Oh, a really, really long time. A really yeah, long well, time. Yeah. I'm old. What do you <laughs> yeah. want? But for me, like for me personally. Like, I don't think I've ever heard that tagline oh, like, no, in, the time that, in the time that I've been playing competitive <laughs> magic. Uh, okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I, I literally got a passport for the first time because of magic, right? Yeah. So, uh, and, and that, you know, so... I bought into that that marketing strategy and it was huge for me. So and it's gone. And I yeah. you know, I get it, I'll move on, and other people will as well. But where um hopefully somebody else picks it up, maybe the Red Bull thing gets bigger and they're better at it than wizards are and we end up with something even better than we've ever had. Who knows? So yeah, we'll, who knows? We'll and I mean, we've we've spoken about this before. Like, there is they haven't said there are no more worlds, there are no more pro tours, then there's no more nothing. They've said there will be something, but we don't have those details yet. So, yeah, it's yeah. uh, it, it's the system as we know it at the moment is dead, but there will be some sort of system in the future. And yeah, yep, where do I'm you off sit on this cracker? Now I'm done. Thank you. I'll take a breath. Where do I sit? Um, yep. I don't know. Kind of <laughs> ambivalent. Look, I mean, I think I really that- I really No, I, I do. I do. But just not not as much, right? Like, advertising the prize pool for a, the world champs is a million dollars and then taking it away just to see if you can get away with it. And it really just feels like that's what they did um, is a pretty rubbish thing to do. Am I glad that they've made it good, in quotes? Yep. Uh, am I sad that I don't care about this stuff anymore? Yep. Because I used to love- <laughs> watching worlds and PTs and stuff like we would we would go play at someone's place and have it on in the background or you know like just watch coverage and like you know DM DMing each other at like you know midnight and stuff like that saying, oh did you see that sick play and stuff and it's just gone now I just I don't care so I can't care <laughs> it's just whatever <laughs> I love magic and I'd rather just you know hang out with the beans and and talk with them about the leagues and stuff that we do instead so you know yeah it's fine yep yeah, if we had the time to get into it, I'd be interested to have a chat like or continue the chat that we've had on previous episodes about, you know, Wizards' whole marketing strategy and do they need to have tournaments like Worlds to sell cards and that sort of stuff. But we've got too many other things to talk about. We'll save that for uh, for another week or maybe when we have more details on f- the future of competitive play and, yeah, we can sort of get stuck into that then, so... It's all right. We've got six more announcements of announcements before we have to worry about that. Yeah, yeah. We've got years of that to, to come up before we actually hear about I any actually, sort of concrete I, details. I actually read all of the announcements now just in case there's like a secret lair drop hidden in there somewhere or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, the announcements are in the secret lair drops. Yeah, yeah. That's Correct. <laughs> they're, they're, that's the bait and switch, man. The yeah. secret lair is not secret anymore. Yeah. Oh, All right. So, man. yeah, speaking of announcements, we had a Arena State of the Game announcement came out uh, end of last week, I think it was. Uh, it might have been just after we recorded. Not too much to cover on that. Uh, they've sort of shown how dungeons are going to look on Arena. I don't know what you guys think of those, but looks fine to me. No no issues with how uh, how that pops up. It's going to pop up. You get to choose your, choose your dungeon, and then you, you venture through your rooms. Pretty straightforward for how you, you would think it would work. Uh, they've shown how the uh, well, what the pets are going to look like that you can get for this set. 
Uh, and then also the dice. We, we spoke about it last week, Cracker. We were wondering we what did. we were going to see in terms of dice. We mm-hmm. uh, Looks like we're they're not rolling across the screen, but uh, there is a dice I mean, th- th- that shows There'll up. be something. It'll, it'll kind of move around a little bit. I think it'll give you that kind of roll feel for a- Yeah, yep. Maybe just a, a flash or whatever. It won't just come up as like the 15 it shows. Um, yeah. So I've been pretty vocal about- animations on arena (laughs) yes like it it is my least favorite thing but if ever there was an actual application for an animation it surely it's the d20 rolling like if they do all of the stuff that they've done that's just annoying like how many times has like brazen borrower popped up or uro come down and all that stuff that you're just sick of seeing but if they don't put some sort of effort into the D20 rolling. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so, hopefully, you know, it just rolls from the corner of the screen or something and just does something that looks like a dice roll. Because, you know, you want it to feel like you've actually rolled it. And uh, there's some semblance of the animation in uh, Moto that, you know, it's the Moto version of an animation. But, like, they do it in that. Surely there's going to be something there. Fingers crossed. Uh, they've added the horizontal deck builder to uh, to mobile devices. I didn't even realise this <laughs> this wasn't a thing because I don't build decks. I just I'm a filthy net decker and I haven't drafted for such a long time. So uh, from what I've heard, people are super excited about this. But one thing that they are changing is they've now added in instead of removing a, a, a copy of a card when you click on it. You, when you click on a card, it now brings up an interface where you can either add or remove cards. That drives me crazy when I'm on, on the iPad and it's like, I go to like highlight a card to you know pop it up so it shows what it is and I tap on it and it disappears. And mm. if, I, if there was only one copy in the list, it's like, oh crap, what was that card? I've, <laughs> I've just taken it out of my deck list and now I, I don't know what it was. So uh, yeah, that uh, that's going to be helpful for me. Have you, you've drafted on the phone, haven't you, Chewy? No, no. I've, I've played draft decks on the phone, but I haven't actually done the draft. So yeah, okay, I'm, I'm similar to you, though. Like, I I, I deliberately it's, got it's a It's not small... an interface to build decks on. No, I think you're no, doing no. It wrong. And like, I've played a few games on my mobile. Yeah. And it actually works pretty well, but I there's like no yeah. way I'd want to go through the process of trying to put something together on there. I also yeah. deliberately got a smaller phone um, about two months before it actually came out on Yeah. <laughs> on I mostly play so. on the iPad. Yeah. So your experience yeah, is probably better. So yeah, well, but, I mean, I played. Um, we'll, we'll touch on it soon. Our uh, historic event on the weekend, I played every single match on the iPad <laughs> and streamed some of them. That that still works. So that yeah, was, we, that was pretty cool. we could see your uh, Instagram yeah. notifications. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> my wife's Instagram <laughs> notifications. Yeah, that's always good. <laughs> oh, that's great. But yeah, no, it, uh, it's uh, it's great that they're investing into that and trying to make that a better experience for mobile players because yeah. it is yep. great. Uh, I I do play pretty regularly on my phone. And uh, I, I quite enjoy it. I know uh, Stu has spent, you know, the odd lunch break sitting in his work ute. Yep. While well, he's what? waiting for something to happen at work. Yeah. Just yep. uh, bust out some arena. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. handy. It's great. Yeah, and as you were saying before, Chewie, about uh, hiding things in announcements, there's actually hidden towards the end here, there's a, a sort of an announcement that they're going to be running their standard 2022 uh, events, which I don't know if you guys remember last year basically when that last set comes out so we have rotation coming up with the next set with the Innistrad set so what they do is they open up a queue where you can actually play future standard you don't have the Innistrad cards but it's standard without Eldraine and Theros and Ikora and yeah, M21 and that. that sort of thing so that kicks off as uh, 
the D&D set releases on Arena and it will be uh, open all the way up until when the Innistrad set actually releases. So if you're really sick of playing all the uh, adventure cards, then uh, yeah, you can jump in there and play those. So I I, like uh, I was playing uh, Team of Adventures last night and I was looking at my hand going, yeah, pretty much every single card in my hand currently is about to rotate <laughs> out of standard with the, the next set release. So time for a, uh, a new deck. I've actually been playing a fair bit of Historic. Um, yeah yeah well so that was that was the next thing to talk about historic so yeah i I mentioned it just a minute ago what did we do on the uh, on the weekend chewy or you you did some streaming what was that for? yeah uh so part of our 2021 tournament series is our one day events and they're traditionally historic until uh arena has a uh build your own limited thing where we can queue against Mm, each other yes please thank you very much uh definitely do that yeah, uh, so yeah, it was historic and I streamed it and shout out to uh, Duckflame Ash from our Discord who uh, joined in partway through and uh, helped me out with commentary, did a great job, it was really fun, it was uh, also good to just not just have to talk for four and a half hours on my own, uh, but yeah, we had 22 players register, yep. uh, which meant that there was uh, six total invitational points, three, two and one, uh, up for grabs, which is pretty exciting and uh, does go a long way to qualifying for that at the end of the, the week. Uh, we had a end of the week, end of the year. Uh, there was a, a a largely diverse format, but there was a few mono brown decks, which was a bit of a surprise. A few uh, is it Phoenix decks, a couple of uh, other double ups, but mostly a uh, a nice diverse field, which is really fun. And Aragoth took it down with Gruel, and second place was also Gruel. So all of those uh, mono brown decks just getting overrun by <laughs> hasty beats. That certainly the uh, certainly was my experience. And, yeah, yeah so it was, it was a great, great event. Everyone had a good time. We had people from all over the world playing, yeah. and yeah, it was really, really fun. Yep. So Aragoth actually won the first historic event uh, at the start of the year. So doing really well in historic and rolling royce who finished second won the last historic event (laughs) so those two guys they're picking up a ton of envy points from these one day events and yeah just proving that uh they uh they seem to know the historic format so and uh old j mud snuck in again third place and uh just got an extra extra envy point so good on him he's still sitting up pretty high in the envy standings and i reckon he's uh in with a very good shot of being there for the invitational this year yeah, absolutely. But yeah, this weekend, while our event was on, there was actually another one of the uh, league weekends. I think it's actually the last, the very last league weekend for the MPL and Rivals. And uh, that was standard and historic again. So, Cracker, have you got the historic metagame up there? Uh, yeah, I do have the historic metagame here. Uh, the the league lists. Leagues. It's confusing, man, because I was all thinking about our leagues rather than the Rivals <laughs> League. The good thing about our leagues is they're continuing. These ones are just done. Yeah, what he said. This was the the final one ever. Um, bit of a mixed bag, actually, from from what we can see here. So, cycling. How is cycling the top deck in standard again at the moment? Yeah, don't know. Uh, don't know how that's happened. Yeah, me neither. I, I guess it's well know. positioned. Maybe. Yeah, I, I, mean, I guess so. Sometimes you just want to flare fools and and win. So. Yep. Uh, and then Salto Ultimatum, No Adventures, Team Aluka. Two copies of Rogues. Mm. Yeah. And poor Rogues. Uh, three. There was a Saltai Rogues as well. 
Saltai Rogues. Mm, okay. Mm. Nice. What are they playing to make it? Uh, I should look at the list later. Anyway. Um, doesn't, so, st- standard doesn't matter too much. It's We're literally mm, about to get a new set uh, in the next is. few hours. So <laughs> probably don't, don't care too much about that. Well, then isn't that true for Historic as well? Actually, I don't know that this set does much in either format, nah, to be don't, honest don't with you. So, uh, so his- Historic, we saw is a ton of Is It Phoenix again. So, 10, 10 decks out of the field was uh, Is It Phoenix. And then uh, the deck that you were pretty keen on, Cracker, the Team of Creativity deck in uh, in second. Yeah. Yeah, pretty fun. Yep. Uh, I still think that that would be, yeah, pretty uh, pretty sweet to play. I mean, just, I'm short about 60 rare wildcards for that one, I think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, team of crazy videos. So you know, one person just decided to to go for it. Yep. Yeah. Look, interesting mix and a bunch of or oh, actually only one ores. It's such a tidy field. Yeah, like, it is. Yeah. You're looking at it going, oh, it's like six percent of the meta game. That must be one person. Yeah. Uh, five <laughs> copies of Demir Control. Uh, right. Yeah, that was actually the deck that um, the the guys you think of as um, like CFB and Ultra Pro worked yeah. on. Like Gabe Nassif, unsurprisingly, was was running that. There would have been some fast games. <laughs> uh, yes. Three no, copies no. of Cling to Dust in the main, Fatal Push, Thought Seize, Doomblade, Drown, Mystical Dispute, Baleful Mastery, Nice, Commit Memory, Extension Event, Commencer Endgame, Citrus Canter, four copies of Shark Typhoon. So uh, the only way it really wins is with uh, Shark Typhoon. Pretty, Pretty nice. much. Yeah. And, Good and times. boredom. Yeah. And Commence the Endgame <laughs> does not do... No, that, I thought that was the one that made the zombie army thing. No. So, yeah, interesting. Uh, there's a Kefnet in the uh, in the sideboard, so it can... Commence the Endgame does make a, a mass token. Oh, it, it does, it a, does. Yeah, yeah, that's oh, the one does that draw yep. two and then your mass X, so... It's yeah. got win, it's got win conditions, that's what you're it saying. It does, like yep. three of them. Yep, uh, a whole three. Mm-hmm. In, in the 75 not not not, yeah. not the main yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, no, wait, hang on hang on there's cerulean drakes you can you can win with those they're two mana one ones that fly yeah. that gets the job done so <laughs> yeah uh ken yuki hero it's always worth shouting out um ken's deck and uh right up your alley it's got green and white spells cracker mm-hmm. mm. i love it uh it's basically uh <laughs> Uh, collected company angels. It's pretty great. So, yeah, get on that. So, if you're looking for a deck to play in an accessoric event, Cracker. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It was played by Li Shi Tian. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. the other one. Yeah. Where you, you polymorph <laughs> your guys into a locust god. Yeah. And, and that then just draw your deck. Sage of the Fools and draw your deck. I know you want to play Bishop of Wings, mate. Those two men are one fours. Oh, man, they're so good. <laughs> Don't get me started. Uh, so, yeah, Historic oh, is still uh, a crazy format. It's uh, interesting there's no gobos at all. I, I find yeah, that interesting. It's, it's, it's so, so dominant and, like, it's just dropped just, off the face of the earth. It just fell off a cliff, didn't it? Yep, yep. Yeah, I mean, it, it was the most powerful thing for quite a long time uh, mm-hmm. with everyone, including me, wanting a ban of uh, good old Muxus and... Turns out when you print a whole bunch of cards from, like, Legacy and put them into uh, Historic that, uh, yeah, Muxus just isn't quite good enough, so... It doesn't play Lurus, Brainstorm, or Faithless Looting. Mm. <laughs> I think is one of the problems with... Right? Like, it's just not playing any of those insane yeah, broken yeah. cards. The cogs yep. are turning in my brain to try to, like, 
how many blue red jewels uh in historic so how do i get brainstorm in because if i've got goblins you want to put muxus back on top i want to put no i want to put the cards back on top so i hit them with my yeah, muxus yeah yeah, yeah, okay. yeah yeah i like it okay. <laughs> and i want to find muxus i mean people People tried the red-black version of, of Goblins for a while. They're, like, splashing sort seasons and stuff like that in the sideboard. Uh, there's plenty of blue-red jewels. I mean, you play yeah, Phoenix, Phoenix and there's no issue with your mana base, really. Like, it, it, Did we just break the format, gentlemen? Like, Did we just break the format? Well, you, uh, no, you, you, you got the wild cards to I'll have to do the jumpstart event, event. yeah, and uh, get some, <laughs> get some Muxi. Is that the uh, plural for Muxus? Is it Muxus? Sure, why not? Yeah, yes, yeah. definitely. <laughs> All the important All right, things so, here on the bench. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's uh, yeah, historic and standard from this weekend in a tournament that did have some things on the line and turns out it had uh, at a minimum 50 grand on the line because this was the last tournament for a bunch of the MPL and Rivals players to get those last couple of qualification slots. I did hear... Seth Manfield apparently was like way ahead on the leaderboard and then lost. I don't think he won a match on day one and then just managed to win enough on day two to keep his uh, his world slot. So <laughs> very nearly just yeah, completely uh, threw it and, and lost, yeah, effectively 50 grand. So, yeah, it, like, and that's the sort of storylines that would be awesome for Wizards to be, you know, promoting and for everyone to know about and... We just don't. I only know that because I heard someone say it on a podcast. And- well, hang on, hang on. Like on that, I I googled the deck list for this. Why I was contributing to the show notes here, right? And when you Google Strixhaven League Weekend deck lists, the first thing that comes up on Google is the Mythic and Diamond ranked deck lists, like the deck dump for the week off the Wizards page. Not even. <laughs> The uh, not even the MPL. Like, yeah. what are you, what are they doing? <laughs> Nothing, man. That's the whole point. Oh, yeah. They're not doing anything. It's just crazy. We've been over this. Oh. Uh, like I clicked yeah. on it and I went, I don't know any of these names. Oh, hang on, let me go. <laughs> no. They're just randoms. Yeah. Oh, wizards, wizards, wizards. Anyway. Uh, all right. So yeah. I don't think, I mean, we'll, we'll be having a chat in a minute about uh, the D&D set, which is about to come out. Uh, but, yeah, I don't think we'll be seeing a huge shake-up to the historic format. I think I don't think we're going to see much changes there until we get uh, potential bannings. Uh, did any of you, did either of you guys end up playing in the, the Mirror Mirror event that was on the, the weekend? I never never ended up giving it a go. It'd be interesting to see how people felt. No, because they unbanned a bunch of cards that I hate, so... <laughs> But they changed them, Cracker. Yeah, they did. They made them uh, less broken. Still hate them. Why so salty? Um, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I just I, no, I was busy doing yeah, other yeah. stuff all weekend. Yeah. yeah, I didn't get a chance to do it either. So. Yeah. Oh, if, uh, if you're listening out there and you did play in the Mirror Mirror event on the weekend, it'd be awesome to hear what you thought of that. Yeah, let us know if they, they fixed it. Like, yeah, it didn't make a difference. Like, jokes aside, yeah. if if they do manage to balance cards, it's it puts things in a really interesting spot i think for historic yep yeah as as we said last week cracker that yeah it's kind of the test case for potentially doing that all the time in in the historic format on arena it's an arena only format i think it's good i I, I like it It, it's also probably worth mentioning just quickly uh did we talk about the cancellation of pioneer masters no yeah actually i think that was snuck into that uh 
so that was the in the, the state well. of the game, yeah. So Pioneer Masters was uh, a planned set coming to Arena where they were going to, you know, bring the format of Pioneer in, in some variety as a, as a master set and kind of add it as another format. Uh, they've just stopped. They don't they've need gone, to. Historic's good. No, Historic has just crushed yeah. it. Like, yep. Pioneer has basically died, um, I think, for, yeah. for well, you it know, a number of reasons. didn't have paper tournaments to play. And that's yeah. It, it, it's a paper predominant format. Like you can play it on uh, on MTG. Yep. Most people on there, especially at the moment, are just playing modern or, or legacy. So yeah, it just didn't have that that following. And it, and it sucks because we were super excited about that format when it first came out. You guys were it never grabbed me honestly. But yeah, okay. Uh, I I like historic and why invest in two different formats? Like yeah, yeah. Modifying I like historic cut- now. Yeah. I didn't yes, like when yes. it dropped. And I think that's the <laughs> thing, right? They spent the last 18 months with a huge amount of player base and just throwing cards at it and got it to a really good point. Like, I think it's a really interesting format now. And we just don't need Pioneer. There's just too many too yeah. many formats. Interestingly, yep. they used the high-level pro scene to promote Historic, and that made it successful. Mm. <laughs> hmm. Uh, I don't think that's it at all. That's, that's tinfoil yeah. hat, Chewie. Like, come on, that's, uh, that's super conspiracy. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, maybe maybe I'm overthinking something. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Don't, don't use don't use logic. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, in, in the in the state of the game article, yeah, they they said we do not anticipate a Pioneer Masters release in the next year. Uh, we have a solid plan for those sets, but for now, we will be focusing on expanding historic in other ways. So. Yeah, who knows what that means, uh, whether that's just more anthologies or whether they do more things like the uh, the Mystical Archives where they're, they're printing stuff as uh, like bonus cards in standard sets that uh, go directly into Historic. Who knows? But yeah, they're, uh, Historic is very clearly their focus, which is fine by us because, yeah, as Cracker said, it's a, it's a fun format now. So hmm. be interesting to see what they do but yes as as we said if you did play in that event give us your feedback we'd love to hear what you uh, you thought of it and if they managed to balance the format by making those changes all right so the last thing we want to go through is uh finishing off the dungeons and dragons adventures in the forgotten realms preview so the entire set has been previewed now and it actually releases on arena i think in like the next 10 hours something like that like we're recording this thursday night in Melbourne, and the arena release date is uh, actually the 8th of July, which is today for us. Uh, so I, I don't know when it actually comes out, but uh, it's releasing in paper in the next couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, by the time you listen to this podcast, it will be live on uh, on Arena, and you can get in and do your drafts and your sealed and, and start building new standard decks and things like that. So we thought we'd have a bit of a chat about... Uh, yeah, a few of the extra things that have been previewed since we spoke last week. So, Chewy, I know you've got uh, you weren't on the cast last week, so you had a, a few cards you wanted to talk about. Yeah, there was uh, a card that is actually pretty exciting to me because uh, it's a good white card, and we don't get many of those. Uh, so, I I really like Loyal Warhound as a as a magic card in general, and I think it's a, a really good enabler for. Uh, white-based aggressive decks to to be good. Uh, it is uh, one and a white for a 3-1 creature dog with Vigilance. 
not not big on the art, I must say, but the card itself is pretty good. Uh, when Loyal Warhand enters the battlefield, if an opponent controls more lands than you, search your library for a basic planes card, put it in the battlefield, tap, then shuffle. So it is very similar to Knight of the White Orchid. It's not as good as Knight of the White Orchid, but it had that same no. land um, search ability, but it was a 2-2 first striker, uh, which is obviously a bit better than a 3-1 Vigilance, but uh, it that's a case in point of what's happening to white, but when you've got... Yeah, Knight was also white-white, which is worth... Yeah, yep, that's not nothing. Yeah, this yeah. is slightly easier to cast, yep. but, I mean, yeah, a 2-2 th- first strike is definitely better than a 3-1 Vigilance. Yeah. yeah, the other big difference is Knight of the White Orchid got you a Plains card, uh, whereas uh, Loyal Warhound is a basic, basic planes. planes. Yeah. So that, that is actually, like, in standard, currently makes very little difference, but uh, in older formats... Older formats, it, you uh, can't go and get a sacred Any of the Triomes fetchable with that? With yeah, Knight of the White yeah, Orchid? Yeah, with they Knight of the White Orchid, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, but, anyway. but, you know, Winota uh, and, and things like that, those sort of decks um, uh, where you want to play four drops, five drops, and, you know, there's a the gold adult gold dragon, which would be a good uh, top end, or just ramping into uh, Showdown of the Skulls and, and things like that. There's, there's a lot of places where some ramp when you're on the draw in a white aggressive deck could you know, be the difference to, you know, when you're on the draw in an aggressive deck and, you know, they've got a removal spell, they've got a removal spell, they've got a, you know, they uh, play a sweeper, then, you know, you can be really on the back foot where this kind of catches you up as far as your land drops go and you're, you're using your mana and you're hitting that land drop without having, you know, a land. You can cheat on lands. It's a great best of one card for that reason as well. And, you know, if, if we want to play... The what's the spirit two one that's got the boast make a thing and you know like basically the uh, this will go into Winota decks unless Winota rotates out when this comes in but for that three months but the showdown of the scolds decks where you want to hit four and five mana uh, you know this gets you there a turn earlier on the draw or makes so you're not missing those land drops it's it's actually great it's a really good card and I. 100% believe that this will see play in those decks, whether those mono-white decks are any good or those red-white decks are any good, we don't know. But if they're playable, this will be an auto four-off. I mean, this goes a long way in helping make those decks playable, I think. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Agreed. Well, so, a, 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 quite a lot of the um, the mono, current mono-white deck is actually rotating yeah. with, uh, with the next set that comes out. So, yeah, they definitely need a bunch of new stuff if, if that deck... Or that archetype is going to still be viable. Yeah, I, I think the current version, either the life gain or the hate bears, you know, we're going to lose a lot of that, but it'll retain some elements. It'll still play uh, the PV Worlds card, but uh, it's, it's turn three showdown of the Skulls is what excites me <laughs> about this card, really. Yep. Yeah, no, it's, it's cool. Great. It's a very cool card. Uh, Cracker, you've uh, got a couple you want to talk about too? I do, I do. This one is called Demi Lich. And it's got the wicked mana cost of blue, 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 blue for a skeleton wizard. And it's a 4-3. It says, this spell costs blue less for to cast for each instant and sorcery you've cast this turn. When Demi Lich attacks, exile up to one target instant or sorcery from your graveyard. Copy it. You may cast that copy. 
You may cast Demi-Lich from your graveyard by exiling four instant and or sorcery cards from your graveyard in addition to paying its other costs. Oh, it's Hogak. Broken. <sighs> it's, Back. it's not. It's not. <laughs> it's not Hogak. I don't know that it's broken. <laughs> no. It's interesting. It's solid. It's, cl- oh. it's close, man. It's yeah. just nerfed enough. That I think it's still good. I actually love that mana cost. It. Like the OG yeah, Lich was four, four black mana. So yeah. being four blue is is kind of cool. And I could see this being played as a like a one or a two of maybe. Uh, Shorty, do you reckon this is something that you could play in? Is it Phoenix? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I don't think it's going to see much playing standard unless. We have like a you know mono blue spells tempo-y sort of deck where I want to force yeah. it. Yeah, well, you, it's, you can- it's it's going in. Is it because you've got like um you're still going to have sprite dragon. You're still going to yeah. have stormwing entity. You know it is a good recursive threat. Does this it's not replace? It's- does this replace the one of uh, what's the Drake? The red red crackling blue- Drake. Yeah. Does this replace crackling Drake? I mean that that rotates, doesn't it? No, I'm just no. I'm oh, thinking sorry, in yeah, this, in this, in this, yeah, yeah. Historic. So, it doesn't hit as hard. It doesn't have any evasion is the problem. No, yeah, but yeah. it's recursive and... Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's worth testing, I guess, is the is my takeaway from this. It's a cool card. It's also a real chance um, in modern, I think. Uh, it's pretty easy to get one of these out on turn two, which is not like I win the game or anything like that. Like, modern is a super busted format, but if you want, you know, copies... Two and or you know a couple of copies of this in, in is it Phoenix in in modern I can see that being a thing. Turn to this with force of negation backup is gonna you know go a long way towards putting you in front in games. So yeah, yeah, but just like vapor snagging a creature, attacking, casting vapor snag again, bouncing another one of their creatures, smack you for four. Like there's just you can get some pretty gross play patterns going. But yeah, it's it's not broken. I just and the art is sweet, and I think it'll be fun. Yep, definitely. I want one in foil, just quietly. I think it'll look great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, put it in the cube. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, very good. Do you have any you want to talk about, Shorty? Yeah, uh, just a couple. Like actually, like most of the cards I actually want to talk about, uh, I want to talk about them because they are like the D and D references to spells and things like that, as as we spoke about on the cast last week. But a card that I think is actually good, and and I'm glad to see this one is Burning Hands, which uh, as uh, I don't know if both of you, I can't, I can't remember who I've played campaigns with, but I had a sorcerer for a while in one of our Pathfinder campaigns that was specialised in casting Burning Hands and just doing a ton of damage with uh, with that spell. And uh, yeah, plenty of plenty of good memories with that. Just getting up nice and close to creatures and then burning the hell out of them. But uh, this is actually a pretty good spell. So it's uh, one and a red for an instant. And burning hands deals two damage to target creature or planeswalker. Yeah, that's not very good considering we have shock <laughs> that also goes to players. Uh, but it has uh, if that permanent is green, burning hands deals six damage instead. So this is what red needs uh the, the mono red decks for fighting against uh lovestruck beasts and elder gargaroths so obviously lovestruck beast going to rotate with the next set release so that's fine but elder gargaroth doesn't that sticks around and yeah once like as a mono red player when your opponent plays turn three lovestruck beast you just look at it and go oh man this is going to take me a bit of work to get rid of this and when they cast the gargaroth it's just it's basically game over like 
you just kind of can't win. So being able to deal with it, instant speed, two mana is really good. Uh, you can kill the Gargaroth before they get any sort of uh, any sort of benefit off of it because you're, you're killing it before it untaps and gets to attack or block. Massive trade-up so, yeah. in mana as well for you. Yeah, like yeah. Two huge. versus yep. five. Yep. I, I so, like yeah, it. Really, so sideboard really cool. card, are you thinking? Yeah, or, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it depends on the meta. If it's if it's a sort of meta where uh, there's a ton of green creatures getting around, you know, a bunch of green creature decks, then, uh, yeah, you, you play a couple in the main, but definitely sideboard card. Uh, yeah. Yeah, pretty, uh, pretty cool to see that one. Uh, Chewy, you want to talk about a, uh, I guess, cycle of cards? So this was something that wasn't or hadn't been previewed when we spoke last week. Uh, mm. You want to talk about the class cards? Yeah, yeah. So a, a new enchantment type, uh, and I think they're pretty cool. And you know, as you mentioned, Shorty, you like some of these cards because of the D and D references. I think these are a really good representation of that. So uh, the one I've got up, cleric class, uh, which is, just happens to be my favourite class in D and D. So that's what I'm using. Uh, it's uh, one white mana. Uh, it's an uncommon for an enchantment class. So this is the next new enchantment type that we've seen, like we saw Sagas, and this is a little bit similar in the the vertical art with the, the text. So uh, you could be mistaken for thinking it was a Saga when you first look at it. But uh, it says, gain the next level as a sorcery to add its ability. So these abilities stack, right? So it's not like the... Uh, you move through them like a saga. These become static abilities that uh, you gain by investing some mana, just like leveling up in D&D. You guys mentioned top-down design uh, on the cast last week. Yes, I did listen. Um, And this is another really good example of that. So uh, if you would gain life, you gain that much life plus one instead is level one. so that's for the one white mana investment. You can pay three and a white to go to level two. Whenever you gain life, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control. That's pretty good. Maybe this is something that the the mono white deck can adopt. Uh, and then four and a white to go to level three. When this class becomes level three, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. You gain life equal to its toughness. So that means that you then put a plus one, plus one counter on it, and you gain life equal to its toughness plus one. So because hmm. of all of the other levels. So yep, yep. it's uh, it, it's pretty cool. Uh, it's it's mana investment. It's got to kind of sit there and, and do uh, something as a sorcery, and it's got to be worth the investment. I don't know whether it, it, it is in limited. Absolutely, I think this is a, a good card, or a good cycle of cards. Whether they break into constructed or not, we'll have to see. I'm not sure, but... It's a a very very cool design, and I I really like it. I think it's I think it's very cool. What do you guys reckon yeah, these, of these? These enchantments are, are awesome. Like <laughs> we've said that said it last week. You both you and I crack are like everything in this set is just hitting all the uh, hitting all the right spots for the the D and D feels. So are any of them standing out to you, Cracker? It's so hard to evaluate them. Like there's there's kind of two. There's actually two cycles. So there's like monocolored ones. Yep. And then there are like um, allied color pairs as well. So you can multi class. I like it. Yeah, no, it's yeah. it's really cool because you can have it, it, exactly. You can be like a wizard class and you know a fighter class or something like that. So uh, I don't know. It, I think most of them are too mana intensive 
for some of the payoffs, but I just don't. It's it's hard to say, man. Like they're 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 weird cards as well because you know, like you just don't know. It was like when Sagas first came out, we're just like no one knows if these things are good. Some of them were like clearly very good, and then most of them were just like uh, I don't know. Like Birth of Miletus didn't seem like it was super strong, but it saw heaps. But one world, so, yeah. So I mean, I don't know. There's there's hard. It's hard to evaluate. I, but again, like like you guys, I think they're awesome, and I hope they're good. I just couldn't possibly guess, yeah. you know. I, I think they're limited cards uh, is my okay. gut instinct, but there may be one or two that sneak in as in small numbers to some constructed decks, but I don't know what those decks are yet. But Yeah, well, the, I, like the monocolored cycle is uh, uncommons, but the multicolored ones are a rare cycle. So generally they're going to obviously put a bit more power into a rare cycle and they're you know harder to cast being being multicolored. So like one of them bard class, I know there's combos that you can do with this in older formats. Uh, so it's the bards are red and green apparently, uh, and the uh, like level one legendary creatures you control enter the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter on them. Yep, whatever. Uh, but level two, which also costs red and a green, legendary spells you cast cost red green less to cast. This effect only reduces. Uh, reduce, reduces only the amount of coloured mana you pay. So there's a whole bunch of legends that either cost a single red, a single green, or red green that you can cast for free <laughs> when you hit level two on your bard class. So and that's, that's got cool. some interesting implications for, uh, for older formats. Yeah, one that jumps out at me, and we have mentioned I don't know how many times on this cast, but when Eldraine rotates, you know, we've seen... Things like Nahiri and, you know, the other Equipment Matters cards that actually exist in Standard right now and they just get completely overshadowed. Like, why would you play them when you could play, you know, stronger cards? But Fighter Class uh, might find its might find a home. Like, Maul of the Skyclaves is a really good Equipment card, right? Uh, Embercleave, obviously that's going to go as well. But uh, we've had good Equipments in in standard that just never never get there but fighter class just might find a uh, a home with what's the what's the god uh he starts with h that um makes Heliod? No, no, Helva? Helva got a battle oh, yeah right. with the the, the dub, modal double-faced god yep. the equipment so fighter class red and a white uh, and it is when fighter class enters the battlefield, search a library for an equipment card, reveal it, put it in your hand and shuffle. So a two mana tutor for an equipment, that's great. Um, level two is, uh, one red white equipped abilities cost two less to activate. So you're able to get the mana back, uh, over the you know, next turn or two. And level three, whenever a creature you control attacks up to one target creature blocks if this uh, blocks at this combat if able. So you can just start, um, you know, you, you might have a, a, a big creature that's just going, you're going to, you know, mow through their uh, their best creatures to, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think this is this is a, a, a good card if it has a home. And so Nahiri exists, uh, Halvar exists. There's a, there's a bunch of playable equipment. You know, you might there's the goblin and the mace, the goblin equipment and the mace and things in this set as well. And yeah, there could be a red white aggressive deck that plays the uh, 
the dog, <laughs> the uh, loyal warhound, and you know just beats people down. So mm. loyal warhound is a lot better when it's got an equipment buffing it, right? So, <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> And look, the equip costs are the way that they nerf equipment now, right? So, like, the plus two mace is equip, I was just looking, is three. Yeah. But if that equip cost goes to one, all of a sudden, like, that becomes super playable card. And enchantments, I mean, it's it's worth pointing out, they're not like sagas, so they, they do stick around. Exactly. And, uh, you, you know, enchantments are not typically the easiest card type to interact with. Yep. So, yeah, I think it's good. The, like, there's... Uh, the way I was sort of looking at them is you've got to be in it for the first ability, like level one, and the other abilities are either completely part of your game plan where it's, okay, I, I want to cast this uh, this class enchantment and then I'm intending on leveling it up because, it, you know, the level three is integral to my game plan. Or you look at it like the other levels are just a mana sink where if you get them you get them and it's not not the end of the world the main thing you're playing it for is the the first ability so like sorcerer class which is blue and a red is when it uh, enters the battlefield draw two cards and discard two cards so we've seen is it charm in the past which is it's got other modes to it but one of the modes is yeah it's blue and a red for draw two cards discard two cards which in certain decks is going to be pretty handy the the rest of the abilities whether you use them or not, that's uh, probably not as relevant. They they can be good, especially level three. But uh, yeah, you, you might play that card just for that first ability. It's pretty oh, you close to Demiulich in the graveyard. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> exactly. Um, one I did I do think is potentially good, and it's because we've seen this uh, a card with this mana cost effectively uh, being played before in standard is the paladin class which is a single white and the, the level one is spells your opponents cast during your turn cost one more to cast so we've seen that ability before on tithe taker yeah i think it was uh so yeah very good super in, you know, annoying yeah it is super annoying and the amount of times you forget it it's like yeah, yeah i'll just pass the turn and i'll do this whatever or you know i'll pass the turn and i'll opt in your turn and you get to their turn it's like ah. Oh, now I can't cast that up because it costs one and a blue sort of thing. Very and then easy it also to becomes a glorious anthem. Like, wow. Yes. So for two and a white, it has so level two. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one, which is glorious anthem, as Chewie said. What I look at with this is the, the mana cost for, to get to that level is two white, white. Now, we've seen Gideon, the four mana Gideon, that you could come in and you could minus four it and get an emblem that was glorious handsome creatures you control get plus one plus one and that card was heavily played and the most common play pattern with that card was you played it and you just emblemed it straight away now an emblem is obviously better than an enchantment because you can't interact with the emblem but being able to pay the four mana over you know splitting the cost over a couple of turns is also pretty good so i th- i think i could see especially in you know the the white uh white weenie decks that we're talking about um i think i could see this one getting played so you could go this on turn one the the hound on turn two activate make him a uh four two vigilance, two vigilance. so it's just all coming together mm. uh, yep. i like this card a lot and the yeah. the plus five ability the level three is a uh a nice little pseudo overrun type thing if you, with, in a go-wide strategy as well. This, yeah, yep. You, you want to go wide with uh, the Glorious Anthem effect and then you get rewarded for that 
in level three. So yeah, yeah if you've is- got a couple couple of flyers, so the, the level three is whenever you attack until end of turn. Uh, target attacking creature gets plus one plus one for each other attacking creature and gains double strike. So, you know, more of the skyclaves on a on a dude like on that uh, on that dog. So it's uh, got flying. Now it's getting a huge buff from all your other little white dudes, and it's getting double strike. Like that's a lot of damage coming through. Uh, yeah, I, I could definitely see this played on turn one, turns two and three, just play out a bunch of dudes, and then turn four. You know, whether you hit your fourth land or not, you can bump this up, Glorious Anthem, and all of a sudden your little dudes are a lot bigger. It's, uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty good. So there's, there's actually a lot to unpack with this card because the the first card, the first level protects your your two and three drops, semi protects them against you know uh, spot removal spells or sweepers. Uh, and then you know you're getting a Glorious Anthem without investing an extra card as yep. well. Uh, so that's uh, definitely uh, a benefit, and then yeah, finishing finishing the game. So it's a, a nice little card, this one. Yeah. Yep. All right, uh, Cracker, you want to talk about the new Grizzle brand? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wait, is there a card I'm missing in the set? There's there's something that people are saying. Yeah. Asmodeus, Asmodeus, depending on who you are and how you like to say things. The Archfiend. It is four black black. For a legendary creature, Devil God, it is a 6-6. They got the mana and power and toughness thing lined up this time. Mm -hmm. Nice work. And it says, Binding Contract. If you would draw a card, exile the top card of your library face down instead. And then it has two activated abilities. So, the first one is black, black, black. Draw seven cards. And the other one- <laughs> totally, and the other one, the other one is black for return all cards exiled with uh, Asmodeus, the Archfiend, to their owner's hand, and you lose that much life. This card so, is like Grizzlebrand and Necropotence. It's got confusing together. as all hell. <laughs> yeah, uh, it if Grizzlebrand's Grizzle Daddy, this is like Grizzle Nephew, right? <laughs> is this? Did, did have we played a campaign where we fought? This dude, like, when I read this name, I was like, oh, I know that name. Uh, Neverwinter Nights, I believe. He was uh, one of, okay. Yeah, right. yeah, one of, the, yep, one of the Neverwinters. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, sorry, Cracker, continue with your uh, love no, of this no, card. I mean, th- um, no, I'm not saying it. I mean, it's just it's a card that people expect me to talk about, right? It's interesting. The fact that you don't get to draw cards ever again. Mm, but that's a necro, that. right? It's necro. It, but it's, it's, it's not. Yeah, necropotence is... No, but Necro, you can just dump mana into, and you no, just you dump exile life, cards. You dump life into drawing yeah, cards. Yeah, you dump life into where it. this so, is this is the same ability as Necro, so it's a good callback to that. Where, uh, but instead of paying life, you've got to invest mana into drawing seven. Yeah, so it's going to cost you four mana and seven life to draw seven new cards. And that's okay on, on top of the six mana you've already paid. Yeah, it's correct. also a six mana yeah. six six. Right, yes. it is. Um, yeah. Unless it you're is. cheating it into play, which is probably what you're going to be wanting to try and do with yeah. this sort of card. Uh, I would imagine so. Uh, the fact that it doesn't have lifelink is obviously the big downside. Here. Yeah. That's what makes Grizzlebrand. That's not a well, flying That's not lifelink. actually the only thing that <laughs> makes Grizzlebrand playable. But, yeah. you know, the fact that you can gain life with it, I mean, even if it's only for like two or three seconds before you spend that life to draw more cards. Um, yeah, I don't know. Look, is this is this a probably, card? You, it's probably like you not could, good. You pair it with like Phyrexian Unlife or one of those. What's the what's that deck called in modern? The uh, 
Yep. Completely yeah. forgot what it's called. That one. Ad nauseum. Ad nauseum, yeah, that's, that's the, the one. one. Yep. Yeah, where you can uh, pay, pay a bunch of mana and draw a whole bunch of cards and then just put them all in your, in your hand and not die, potentially. I think you just, yeah, but with ad nauseum, you just win on turn yeah. four. Yeah. I think that deck took a massive hit when uh, Simeon Spirit Guide got banned. Yeah, you it can't. Did. Yeah, can't you lost Lightning your, Storm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think this card's almost like this. I just look at this and go, it is almost there on, on many axes and it's just missing well, it's something. Kind of, it's like the Demi Leech. It's like this card is powerful, but they've just toned it down enough that it's not over the top. Yeah. Damn it, them learning their lessons. <laughs> yeah. If this was printed in our drain, it would fly and have lifelink in haste. So, you know, so it's... <laughs> it would also have and, an adventure they, side. <laughs> they would also get to sacrifice a creature every time you activated its ability or something. Yeah, like something ridiculous <laughs> like that. But, yeah, it's yeah. a um, it's a very cool card. I like it, but, like, I'll probably lose to it in limited. <laughs> but I don't think it, this is a playable constructed card, yeah. unfortunately. Yep. All right. So, yeah, like we said last week, this set is interesting. In, uh, it's This set was kind of... Uh, labeled as a replacement for the core set so it is understandable that they it's not super powerful and they're obviously trying to tone down the power level of standard anyway and as we've said a million times it's all coming under the shadow of uh throne of eldraine so nothing looks powerful and maybe after rotation we'll see some of these cards get played but yeah there just really isn't anything in here that you're going oh yeah i'm really excited to play this card and and this looks really amazing and that sort of stuff so yeah, they're like just a few other cards just to mention sort of on the way out were the ones that, uh, you know, caught my eye from a D&D perspective. So like a card like Magic Missile, which I think they did a really good job of design-wise for what a Magic Missile is, which is Magic Missile is basically just like your cantrip spell you get as a as a sorcerer in, in D&D. But as it goes, or as you go up levels, it gets more and more missiles. So it, this one is one red red for sorcery. It can't be counted because Magic Missile also can't be counted. It's something you just cast. You don't have to do... You don't have to roll to hit with a Magic Missile. Uh, you just pick your targets and it, and it hits them automatically. And it uh, deals three damage divided as you choose among one, two, or three targets. So it works it, it, exactly how it's it works a total, in d It's a total hit, this card. Like it's, yeah. yeah, it's great. Uh, but it, it actually generated an interesting discussion on our Discord about Mono Red. Like... Uh, you know, posted this card up and, and people were saying, oh, you know, it's no good because it doesn't go to the face. And w- it sort of generated the discussion that well, Mono Red hasn't actually been that sort of a deck for ages since the, uh, like, Dominaria standard when we had Wizards Lightning and Lightning Strike, that sort of stuff. So this spell is actually quite good because what it does is it clears out blockers. If, if you can take out a, a one-toughness dude and a two-toughness dude to allow your, your creatures to get into attack is actually... Yeah, really good. Card advantage in mono red is a very powerful thing. Yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, there's there's boots of speed. That's a classic classic D and D thing. There's thieves tools. Uh, We've seen thieves bag of holdings before. back again. Yeah, yeah. Le- leather armor. Like just <laughs> check for traps. Like there's just there's so many plate armor. So many uh, things in this set that are yeah re- really cool throwbacks. Wild shape, which uh, which actually works very well, like the the spell in D and D. So, yeah, pretty cool, uh, cool set. I've heard uh, I've heard a lot of people complaining, and we're not going to get into this because uh, we're going to wrap up the cast now. But I've heard a lot of people complaining that they're not happy with this set. It's gone too much into the D and D stuff. But I really like it, and I think uh, I think you guys really like it too. Yeah, if you're going to call it a D and D set, and then you only go halfway, yeah, exactly. Like, nah, just.
lean into it, go, yep. yeah, we are embracing the IP, get with the program. If they and said look, they I mean, were going- no, People don't like corsets anyway, so, like, what's the deal? Yeah, but <laughs> they said that uh, the Elspeth set, the Theros set was going to be an enchantment set. We got a lot of enchantments. Like, what did you expect, right? Yep. So, you know, if you don't like it, don't purchase it, whatever. But I I think if you remove Asmodeus and call it, you know, Jeff, the the demon <laughs> thing, it's still it's still a fine card, right? So a lot of the things are, you know, they're still fine magic cards. They haven't forced the issue too much just to attach a name to it. So they're still functional magic cards if you completely ignore the name and have no idea about the backstory or yeah. what the spell does or anything. So exactly, Magic Missile yep. feels like a Magic Missile. Yep, very good. All right, so yeah, if you're keen to play some D&D, as I said, should be released basically by the time you listen to this podcast. And we are having our D&D League, which will be kicking off with the live draw as we always do next Friday night. So the 16th of July should be starting around 9 p.m. And yeah, we'll be getting out the uh, Teferi's puzzle box and sorting everybody into their groups again to, to kick off this league. So I think we're sitting at about 35 players currently. We always get a flurry of people with the last minute. Cracker, you're not even registered yet. And I was going to say, like me, I'm just like, yeah, wait, I haven't Chewy, Chewy registered. registered just before the podcast. So yeah, there's uh, we're, we're expecting probably similar numbers as we have for the last ones around the you know 45 to 50 players, which is awesome. And uh, yeah, it's uh, they're always a lot of fun. The group stage will run for the four weeks, as it always does. You can play your matches almost at whatever time suits you. You just organise your matches directly with your opponent, round robin, and then we'll go into the uh, the top 16 double elimination finals, culminating in the live stream for the, uh, the top eight. And uh, the winner of that will be qualified straight through to the Invitational. So... Jump in our Discord, register for that, or on our uh, our challenge page, and yeah, the links for that is in the show notes as it always is. So that's going to do us for this week. Uh, yeah, we've got uh, our usual housekeeping wrap up. So uh, yeah, as I said, jump in our Discord, join our leagues. That's uh, the normal things. If you want to show us some support, you can uh, follow the link in the show notes for our merch store. Get some hoodies, t-shirts, and uh, mugs and stuff like that. Chewy, you still haven't bought your mug yet, have you? I have not. No. <laughs> I was hoping for one for my birthday. Uh, but, just say, you that, know, say that a bit louder. Yeah. Maybe, I think, I think you've got enough things for your birthday. You did pretty well. Yeah, it was pretty sweet, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very, very good. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, go and uh, go and check out Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar. As I said at the start of the cast, you can just go to jpmtgbazaar.com.au and that will take you straight to the Facebook group so you can join that and get in on the daily auctions. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter, all of those places. Just search for Magic Beans or Magic Beans Cast, and you'll find us on there. If you want to find me on Twitter, I am at Peace Inc. Chewy, you are? At Chewy MTG. And Cracker? At Joel Hill underscore. Very good. So that's it for this week. Thank you, as always, for listening. Stay safe out there, and we'll see you all next time. Bye.